0: Oh and her name was this to burn incense when he went into the town. Good night, dear. His mother's womb and he uh uh-huh.
1: In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the first Sunday of Kiak and the Sundays of Kiahka are all in preparation for the Feast of Nativity, which we celebrate at the end of Kiak the 29th of the month. The first Sunday, the Gospel that we read today, is the Annunciation of St. John the Baptist. Then next week we'll read the Annunciation of our Lord Jesus Christ, and then the meeting between St. Mary and Elizabeth. And then the fourth Sunday of is the is the birth of St. John, right before we celebrate the feast of the Nativity, the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Gospel today is all about reminding the people, the people of Israel, and Zechariah and Elizabeth specifically, and by extension reminding us that God is faithful to keep His promises. That God is faithful to keep His promises. So actually if you read from the first couple verses, this is... The, the reading that we took today is from the first couple of verses of the Gospel of St. Luke. And the Gospel of St. Luke starts in such a way where it makes... St. Luke is sort of portraying it as a way that there, maybe the gospel the, the promises of God are, have not actually been kept. So in verse 5 of chapter 1, he says, There was in the days of Herod the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was one of the daughters of Aaron and her name was Elizabeth. God promised uh, in Genesis that... The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from his feet, until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience of the people. So he's saying that there will be. this prophecy is about first King David and then our Lord Jesus Christ, but the prophecy is saying that the, the power is going to be in, to, in the family of Judah uh, until the Messiah comes. But here in, in verse five, St. Luke is sort of indicating that Herod is the one who is ruling, right? It says Herod was king of the Jews. And Herod wasn't an Israelite, but the the government gave him the title, the king of the Jews. So right from sort of the very beginning, uh, this is supposed to be about how God always keeps His promises. There's an implication here that maybe God has broken one of His promises. But actually that's not the case. We'll see here that God's promises never fail. Despite how things appeared, you know, God promised in Genesis was still holding true. And St. Luke knew that this, this promise was still holding true. Over time, because of the sin and the disobedience of the people of Israel, the Israelites lost more and more power to rule themselves. Until finally, all that was left was really the only the only authority that they had, only ruling power that they had for themselves at the time was the authority of the Sanhedrin. We see the Sanhedrin uh, playing a big role in the the trial of our Lord Jesus Christ towards the end of his life. Uh, and actually, even the Sanhedrin was very much didn't have as much power as it as it used to have. But still they had uh, power within the people of Israel, and actually the there are like the the Talmud, which is one of the sort of the the Jewish uh commentaries on on the law, it says "Woe unto us for the sceptre has departed from Judah, and the Messiah has not come and this was written actually right about the time of the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ so people were the the the, the Jewish people were commenting and saying Man, this this prophecy has been, or this promise from God has been broken. The scepter has been taken away from us, and the Messiah did not come. So right at the time when they were complaining that God's word had failed them, that they had been rejected by God, actually there was God, the word of God in the flesh, standing right in front of them. Not rejecting them, but keeping faithful to His promises. So anyway, we are re- introduced today to Zacharias and Elizabeth, and we learned something very important about them in verse 6. It says that they are, they were both righteous before God, walking in the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. It's an amazing thing when people think that we are good, when we are righteous, when we are holy. But it's a much more uh, amazing and much more noteworthy thing when this thing is said about you by God. Right? It's an entirely different thing for God Himself to say it, especially to say in Scripture that these people are blameless. So they were devout Jewish people. They were obedient to the law. And maybe because of their obedience is why God is going to do great things through them. God, of course, can use all sorts of different people. But it seems to be that He mostly uses people who are faithful to Him, who are willing to obey Him, to be obedient to Him. Sometimes our sin holds back. God, from being able to do great things in our life because we are unwilling to work with Him. But Zacharias and Elizabeth were ready to be used by God because they lived blamelessly. So the question I should ask myself, do I live blamelessly before God so that He can use me in the proper time? It's important that St. Luke says that these people were holy because the verse right after him saying that they are blameless, that they were righteous people, he says that St. Elizabeth was barren. In Israelite culture, and actually even in many cultures today, it's considered a curse from God that a woman cannot have children for her to be barren. If a woman was not able to have a child, it was often thought it was because God is punishing her for some, some sin. But here we see that that's not the case. Zacharias and Elizabeth are blameless in front of God. They're not being sort of punished. Many, many times when we are dealing with some sort of crisis or we're dealing with a sickness in our own life, it's not necessarily because God is punishing us. There are many possible reasons for these things. We were just talking about that in, in the Bible study that we took yesterday. The example of the man born blind. The disciples asked, who sinned? And our Lord Jesus Christ was very clear saying, nobody sinned that this man was born blind, but he was born blind, so that can glorify God. But we will see in, this, in these events how God is truly the Pantocrator, the one who is in control of all things. We see that Zechariah is the one who is chosen to serve in the temple. The gospel tells us that he's in the division of Abijah. And actually, the book of Chronicles in the Old Testament says that there are 24 priestly divisions. So he had his priestly division chosen to offer incense. That's not really that likely of a thing. And then even more than that, he was chosen from his division to be the one to offer. Okay, so we see from this that God is not a God of chance. God is not a God of chance. God is behind all of the things that are seemingly coincidences in our lives. So a chance meeting with someone that I might maybe have not seen in a while in church is not a coincidence. It's God giving me an opportunity to encourage them, let them know that they've been missed. There are no coincidences with God. The book of Proverbs says, the lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. So the lot falling to Zechariah to offer incense is not a coincidence. And so he's raising incense, and then Archangel Gabriel appears to him and tells him that his prayers have been answered. Right? Your, your wife Elizabeth is going to bear a son. So we see, or we begin to see, why did God wait so long to answer the prayer of Zechariah and Elizabeth? It was because He had better, something better in store for them that even, than even that they imagined. They were simply praying for a child. God didn't want to give them just any child. He wanted to give them St. John the Baptist. You remember what our Lord Jesus Christ says about uh, St. John the Baptist. He says, He is the greatest to be born among women. It's an amazing thing. Zacharias and Elizabeth were praying for a child. They prayed and waited and prayed and waited and no child came. But it wasn't because God did not hear their prayers. It was not because God did not hear their prayers. And it wasn't because they were sinning, and so God wasn't answering their prayers. It was because God had something in store for them beyond anything that they could ask, beyond anything that they could imagine. They would become parents of St. John the Baptist who would prepare the way for our Lord Jesus Christ. They waited and waited and waited, and when God finally answered, In his own time, he did so in an amazing way. But actually, they're not the only ones who are waiting. We see in our Lord, we see that the archangel, in verse 17, he says he will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah, turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. If if you have a Bible that has footnotes, when it says turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, you will see a little footnote there. Why? Because actually Archangel Gabriel is quoting from Malachi. The book of Malachi chapter 4 verse 6. This verse is very beautiful. This verse is the very last verse of the Old Testament. The very last verse of the Old Testament. Turning the hearts of the fathers to the children. It's in the last book of the Old Testament and the last chapter and the last verse. It says in Malachi, and he will turn the hearts of the father to the children, and the hearts of the children to fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. It's a promise to the people of Israel that God is going to send a man like Elijah to reunite Israel. So it's a promise from God. And that's what we're talking about today how God keeps his promises. A promise from God about the nation of Israel in Malachi. And do you know when the book of Malachi was written or when this promise was made? in about 450 BC, so 450 years before the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Zechariah and Elizabeth maybe had been waiting or praying for a child for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. But the people of Israel had been praying and waiting for this promise to be fulfilled for 450 years. That's a long time to wait for a promise. But God is faithful, and He always keeps His word. And His promises don't fail. And God kept His promise to the people of Israel. We'll learn actually another lesson from the promises of God from Zechariah as well. God kept His promises to the people of Israel and God kept His promises to individuals like Zechariah. Zechariah said, How shall I know this? I'm an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. So he's questioning God here. He's saying, I don't think that this can happen. I'm too old to have a kid. What does that tell us about Zechariah? Do you think Zechariah is still, until that moment, praying to God to have a child? It would seem from the way he's answering, no. right? If he were had still been praying, he would have said to the archangel, Wow, God is finally answering my prayer. Right? That's what you do when God answers my prayer. I pray for something, God gives it to me, I thank Him. It's a normal reaction. But he didn't do that. Zechariah didn't do that. Because maybe he had been given up actually praying about this certain subject. Zechariah maybe long ago gave up. He said, like, okay, I prayed for this. It didn't happen. I'm too old now. I'm not going to pray about this anymore. Maybe some of us feel that way sometimes in some of our prayers. I've prayed and prayed and prayed for something, but it seems like God didn't hear me or God is ignoring me. But God is never ignoring. God hears all of our prayers. We should say with Archangel Gabriel, God has heard your prayer. He hears all of our prayers and He's going to answer in His time. And even if you stopped praying, like maybe Zechariah had stopped praying here, even if he had stopped believing, right? St. Paul says that even when we are faithless, that God remains faithful. So God has something better in mind and more in store than we can imagine, even when Zechariah maybe had stopped asking for this thing that he had wanted so badly. But when the answer to our prayer comes, when God says, okay, now I will work to give you that thing that you've been praying for, I shouldn't doubt God, I shouldn't question God that's what Zechariah did and then when Zechariah did this the, the archangel sort of answered him harshly he said I'm Gabriel who stands in the presence of God when he was sent to speak to you and, behold, and bring you these glad tidings and he tells him, he tells him that, she, that he's going to be mute until it actually happens, so we see because Zechariah doubted he made him mute, he made him unable to speak but God is able to accomplish his purposes and keeps his promises just because 450 years had passed for Israel does not mean that God had forgotten them. just because God uh, excuse me, just because Zechariah had stopped praying, and just because he had doubted God, this does not stop God either. God's promises will be fulfilled in his own timing and in his own way. and more than that, even our disbelief does not keep God from accomplishing His purposes. The difference only is, are we going to partake in the blessing or not? Are we going to be part of His work or exclude ourselves from it? Sometimes we might be disciplined (coughs) for unbelief like Zacharias was here. So God continues and keeps His promise like He says in verses 24 and 25 that Elizabeth conceives. He keeps His promises. So in causing St. Elizabeth to become pregnant in her old age, God took away, it says it took away her reproach, or she says she took away her reproach among the people. God removed her shame of being barren. One of the greatest promises in the Bible, which God has given to each of us, is the same, same thing that St. Elizabeth is happy about. That God takes away, our Lord Jesus Christ takes away our reproach, and our shame of sin. When we offer repentance, and ask for forgiveness from Him. Right in Colossians, St. Paul says, And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now He has reconciled in the body of His flesh through death to present you holy, blameless, and above reproach in His sight. So we've taken away the reproach from ourselves through the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our greatest reproach, our greatest shame, is our sin. God has promised that because of the life, the death, the resurrection of His Son, we can have that shame, we can have that reproach removed. God always is keeping His promises, and actually this is one of His greatest promises. God is the greatest promise keeper. May we continue to have faith in God, asking Him for the things that we want and we need, having faith that He can keep and is able to keep His promises, and glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.